Hello again, everyone, and welcome to The Crusher. I'm your host, Josh Brewster. And today, I am very, very happy and honored to welcome my guest, Mr. Evan Sayet. He is an author. He is a columnist. He is a comedian extraordinaire, uh, speechwriter, just an all-around uh, man of the world. He's done a million different things. Uh, he is the author of one of my favorite books of the last decade or so, The Kindergarten of Eden. Uh, in fact, let me give you the exact title, The Kindergarten of Eden. I love this. How the Modern Liberal Thinks and Why He's Convinced that Ignorance is Bliss. Uh, also, he's the author of The Woke Supremacy, an anti-woke manifesto, certainly very timely and has been ever since it came out. Uh, a faux children's book called Apocalypse Now. And there's a video you can check out. Uh, I was there when they recorded it. Evan Sayet, A Deplorable Mind, which is his stand-up. Go to Amazon. You'll see an endless array of Evan Sayet stuff. You just spell it S-A-Y-E-T. And uh, here he is, Evan Sayet. Good to, good to have you on The Crusher. You know, what, that introduction was very kind, and you've accomplished everything I came on the show to do, so I'll see you next time. I'm, <laughs> I'm all about the plugs. Get the plugs out of the way. And, and later, by the way, stay tuned. Don't touch that dial or don't click that thing, because later we're going to talk about uh, Evan's current project. Uh, it should be very interesting, but I'll, I'll save that for later. So, Evan, let's run through a, a few things. I could sit here for hours because the world is you know, gone up in flames. And um, I, I guess where we'll begin is uh, let's begin with the uh, unbelievable level of anti-Semitism that we're seeing in our streets and in our universities. I put an asterisk on it because it's not unbelievable to me. Uh, I, I've seen this coming from 100,000 miles away. You've written quite a bit about the long march through the institutions and spoken a lot about it, uh, that the left has taken a long march through our institutions. So let, let's start with academia, then I'll get on to some other current events. Uh, why don't we start there? Well, let's let's just give the history of, of what's now called wokeism. When I wrote the book, you were kind enough to, to praise a little bit earlier, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks. Uh, wokeism, the term woke, hadn't yet really come into usage. And I didn't know what to call them, so I just called them the modern liberals, but leftists, the woke. And, and basically, in the 1960s, they, uh, we, we had the 60s radicals. They were these people who declared war against the United States. I mean, Bernadine Bourne, uh, who was William Ayer's wife and, and one of the founders of the terror group, the Weather Underground, she approached the bank of microphones and said, Hi, I'm Bernadine Dorn, and I'm going to read to you a declaration of war. And they tried to start this violent revolution in the streets. I mean, remember, they kidnapped heiresses and they blew up buildings and they killed cops. And the problem was they couldn't get anybody to join their revolution because even, even when America still had legalized oppression like Jim Crow, even when we had, you know, anti-women positions, whatever, whatever the worst of it was supposed to be, everybody knew how great they had it in America. Even, you know, there's a story I tell, I believe it's in The Woke Supremacy, about when Muhammad Ali, or the great boxer Muhammad Ali, now this is a black man from the Jim Crow South. This is not just a black man from the Jim Crow South. By this point, he'd already converted to Islam. 
So this is a black Muslim man from the Jim Crow South, and he goes to Africa to train for a fight over there. And he decides to set a training camp in Africa, spends a whole month there. And when he comes back, the, the press asks him, Mohammed, what do you think of Africa? And he says, quote, thank God my granddaddy got on that boat. So they couldn't get anybody to join their revolution. Their revolution failed, and so they went underground. They began what's called the long march through the institutions. They slowly started to take over academia. They slowly started to take over uh, journalism. They slowly started to take over the entertainment industry, all these culture-creating industries. And, and by the 1980s, by the 1990s, when they become the powers that be, they use these institutions to, to, for all intents and purposes, brainwash successive generations into their hatred for everything that is good. America. God, especially the Judeo-Christian God. And so anti-Semitism is just inherent uh, to, to this ideology. It's always been inherent to, to leftist ideologies. You know, God of the Bible, the God of the Bible, whether you believe literally or whether you believe figuratively, but is all about individual responsibility. And leftism is all about collectivism and government control. And, and so the first thing they have to do is kill the Judeo-Christian God. So now here we are, uh, Evan, and, and, you know, we've got these universities. It, it leads me to this, Evan, and, and look, I'm, I'm Jewish, you're <laughs> Jewish, we're going to have a little honest conversation here. I'm not stunned by any of this, but... I got to tell you, you know, I think, you know, there's a moment of reckoning at hand, seeing what Hamas did uh, in the Jewish community, Evan. Some people have wondered, will Jews change their vote? I'm not so confident about that. But but what what I hope the Jewish community will finally wake up and realize, because I know 30, 35 percent of them certainly do have always realized this, but easily 70 percent do not, is that jihadists do not care whether you're a liberal or a conservative Jew. You're a Jew. They want you dead. They've proven this. They, 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 they rejected a country on a number of occasions. Ehud Barak was more liberal. He offered them a country. They rejected that. They responded with suicide bombings. I guess what I'm getting at here is, Evan, not just the, the Western man is always rationalizing. He doesn't want to take the radical Islamists at their word. So as pertains to American Jews, do you think that this is a big enough moment for a reckoning? I, I, there is a direct correlation between how Jewish someone is by practice and belief, as opposed to, you know, Judaism, to be called a Jew is different than any other religion that's out there. Right? To be called a Christian, you have to believe something. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. If you believe that, you're a Christian. If you don't believe that, then you're not a Christian. If you be called a Muslim, you have to believe something. You have to believe that the Quran is the final testament of God and Muhammad is perfect messenger. If you believe that, you're called a Muslim. If you don't believe that, but to be called a Jew, you don't have to believe anything. All you have to do is have fallen out of a Jewish woman's vagina, period. And so we, we really need to discuss which Jews we're talking about, the accidental Jews, as, as Dennis Prager would call them, the non-Jewish Jews, sometimes called the secular Jews. I mean, that's an oxymoron. 
in any other religion. There is no secular Muslim because they wouldn't be a Muslim if they're secular. All right, so we have to, and there's a direct correlation between those who support evil and those who are just accidental Jews. So you have the accidental Jews almost exclusively voting Democrat, which I consider these days supporting evil. Then you have the reformed Jews who aren't really Jewish either in that they don't follow the, the Bible. They want to reform the Bible to their liking. And so they overwhelmingly side with evil. It's not until you get to the conservative Jews who seek to conserve the, the, the Jewish way of life, including the, the Bible, and the Orthodox Jews that you finally get to the Jews who recognize the difference between good and evil and seek to side with good and against evil. So well, I, think, I think the answer and the reason I'm writing the book I'm writing right now, I mean, I don't like to write books. It's 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 a, it's a lot easier and a lot more fun to write uh, one-liners. You know, you get them out that day, you hear the laughter that night. Maybe you write a sitcom, you write it that week, you hear the laughter next week. You know, you write a script, you get this, I'm sorry, a speech, you get this. But a book is a, is labor. I mean, this book is now, and it shouldn't have, but it has taken me o- over two years, and I'm still struggling to perfect it. Uh, but I write books for a reason. And I wrote this book to start a religious revival, because I think that's the only thing that could possibly save the world. Because... That's what this title, Evan. Give me the title of what you're working on, and we'll look out for it in the future. Okay, okay. Let let me let me do it this way. Uh, There are a number of books out there, including a terrific one called uh, "The Case for a Creator," that makes the argument. What we don't do is we don't make them make the argument for the alternative to God, because there are only two possibilities, and they're both extra scientific. One is that there's a universe or, or, or dimensions beyond those that we know, and, and the universe was created by a force that we don't understand, or the universe came out of nowhere and nothing for no reason. Right? So my book, instead of making the argument for God, although I do repeatedly, I, I much more show what it is that you have to believe if you don't believe in God. And so the name of the book is Magic Soup, Typing Monkeys, and horny aliens from outer space, the patently absurd, wholly unsubstantiated, extravagantly failed atheist origin myth. And every one of those things, the magic soup is the primordial ooze that they say somehow came out of nowhere. And, and the typing monkeys, they don't actually ever try to prove that anything happened. They just try to prove that it's not impossible. for It's not impossible for life to have come from the ascension. Well, we, we just don't know how it did. And so they, they have this thing called the infinite monkey theorem, which they say, hey, if you put enough monkeys in a room with enough typewriters for enough time, eventually they'll type, you know, the collective works of Shakespeare. And that's really their entire theory about everything. How did the universe go from literally chaos, the Big Bang, to the very definition of chaos, to utter precision? And I don't know. Shit happens. I mean, that's literally there. Uh, how did life come from the incension? I don't know. Shit happens. That is their answer to everything. They, they don't even have a theory. And so I'm finally putting them on trial as opposed to them saying, oh, you believe in an invisible man in the sky, and you believe that it, it, it's about time. Well, okay, enough about me. What do you believe? And what they believe is even more ludicrous than even the most ridiculous uh, stories from, 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 from religion.
Well, certainly. Look, one of the hallmarks of the left is that that the the belief that man can perfect the world, and wow, how's that working out for everybody? And and you know, I listen. I don't have a, a wonderfully defined God concept, but then again, I don't think it would be God if I had a wonderfully defined God concept. Right. But I, I but do I, have faith. I start from big to small. I, I, don't I got mean- you. I don't need a specific God. Let's just say if there is a creator, the science of intelligent design. And look, I'm weighing the two possibilities. Either this was intelligently designed or it came out of nothing and nowhere by luck. And I'm weighing what we know. And we know that that doesn't happen. But here's a here's a really essential point I make in the new book, the one that's, that's coming out soon, is that liberals, leftists, the woke – whether it's about God or whether it's about any of their policies, never argue what they believe in the affirmative. It's all, you're a Nazi, you're a a homophobe, you're a xenophobe, the cops are this, the country is that, but they never argue for what it is they believe. And it dawned on me, when John Lennon put the militant atheist uh, doctrine to music, that's all he did is he put the atheist doctrine to music. Every one of his arguments is if you get rid of God, if you get rid of country, if you get rid of capitalism, yeah, okay, now you've done that. What do you plan to do? Ah, just use your imagination. And, and if you go carrying pictures of Chairman Mao. <laughs> he just ain't going to make it with a different song. <laughs> different song. Same it's timely. It's timely. All right. Now, Evan, uh, look, in terms of, look, this raises, I'm going to take a left turn here or a right turn. This raises the issue of moral clarity, because the left is not keen on moral clarity. Quite so, the opposite. They don't, they, don't, well, they don't believe in moral clarity. Uh, no. they, they don't believe that there is an objective qualitative difference between anything. And so, therefore, yeah. No, no, go and, ahead. And therefore, if nothing is better than anything else, then why should something succeed? And so if something succeeds, that's an injustice to them. It's just period, the okay. success. That's why they don't care what the what the what the uh, what Hamas does. It's the fact that they're failures that makes the Democrat love them. All right. It's yep. the fact that Israel is a success that makes the Democrats hate them. Success to a Democrat is proof positive of okay. some injustice. All right. All this talk of clarity, let's let's bring it back to current events here, Evan. Um, Rashida Tlaib, uh, this detestable congresswoman from Michigan, she was voted, uh, they voted to censure her for what that's worth. But okay, they voted to censure her. But I noticed 190 Democrats voted against censuring her. So this leads me to this. Um, If you're running around talking about from the river to the sea, which basically means wipe out Israel, kill all the Jews, um, why wouldn't you expect to be censured? And who are these 190 Democrats and a, a couple of Repu- few Republicans who are not morally clear enough to censure Rashida Tlaib? And goodness knows, uh, and especially we talked about the universities, if, if I was running around a university saying this kind of thing about any other minority, this would not be a freedom of speech issue. So yeah, what, are your thoughts, what are your thoughts about Rashida Tlaib and this vote. Well, look, it, 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 A, what she said doesn't surprise me in the slightest. No. Uh, no. The, this is the one issue where maybe you can peel off 
some decent people who still vote Democrat because they just haven't two things. One, the Democrats have done an outstanding job of villainizing anybody who even questions them. All right. Everybody who even questions them, even as a skeptic uh, about transgenderism, is, 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 a, is a transphobe. Anybody who, has any, is a, anybody who has any moral qualms about any abortion procedure is in a war on women. And, and so the Dem- there are a lot of people, I think, who still cling to the Democrat Party, one, not recognizing just how much it's been taken over by a very Nazi-like mentality. You know, godlessness, militant atheism is different than just atheism. Atheism is a personal belief. Militant atheism is the aggressive enforcement of non-belief across an entire culture for political purposes. That only became legitimate in the modern world when Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto. That gave it intellectual credence to hate religion and actively tried to undermine other people's faiths. It took another 50 years from when he wrote the manifesto until the militant atheists got their first guns in government with the Russian Revolution. Since then, there have been five, there have been others that are smaller, but five major militantly atheist ideologies. There's been Leninism, Stalinism, Hitlerism, Maoism, and now Wokeism. And if you go down the list of things, and one of the things that they all had in common is they all tried to do what Bill Maher rightly recognized as a page one rewrite of humanity. Uh, the, the Soviets were going to create a new man who didn't have uh, selfishness. They were going to somehow create the man who cared about the collective and not about himself. The Nazis were going to create a new man who was this ubermensch, who, who put aside human emotion for, for, for the good. And the militant atheists are selling the new human being who is free of hate. The problem is that love and hate is a single concept. And if you eliminate hate, you eliminate love. All right? You can't love justice unless you hate injustice. You can't love truth unless you hate falsehoods. You, you can't love, you know, you can't love... Uh, one another, another human being, unless you hate some as well, because otherwise, if you love indiscriminately, that's not love. That's loving nothing special. So by eliminating hate, they've actually eliminated love, and their 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 followers are piteously indifferent. And if you look at their policies, okay. why do they support open borders? They don't love the migrants. They don't know the migrants. They are piteously indifferent to the victims that the that the drug runners and the, and the child traffickers are going. Why do they support abortion? Because they're pitilessly indifferent to the baby in the womb. Let's 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 break this down a little. So, Evan, I'm going to ask you quickly here. So, is do you think there's any space between mainstream Democrats, liberals, and leftists? Or do you think there needs to be a reckoning where somebody draws a line between a mainstream Democrat, a liberal, and a leftist? Because I still talk to people, Evan, who think that the Democratic Party is the party of JFK. Yep. And the, the ship sailed a long time ago. So you, you, you're lumping the Democrats in with the leftists. Maybe you're right. But is there any point where we can separate and, and get people back to see to me, it's leftism against America. 
Indeed. Democrats against Republicans. Indeed. It's leftism against America. Indeed. And we are seeing it. I don't know if it's enough. I don't know if it's too little too late. But we are seeing the Bill Mars coming to recognize that the left is insane, that the left is evil. In fact, he just did an entire segment where he compared wokeism to uh, Stalinism, Leninism, and Maoism, and he only left out Hitlerism because it's gauche to do so. But they're actually but it's the same thing. It's two. It's the same thing. But you actually, wrote for Bill Maher, right? Didn't you write for Bill Maher? Bill Maher for six years. I wrote politically incorrect for six years. Back when I wasn't yet on the right, and he wasn't yet so far to the left. Although now he's really become a voice of reason. Well, yeah, he may be the only liberal left in America. Uh, Indeed, you know, but, I, the guy's really surprised me. I don't agree with everything he says, but he's the only honest guy who gets out there and says this is crazy. But the only—it kills me that he feels the need to gratuitously slap the right. Uh, oh, every, I know. I know. Even I know, when it's I not know. about the right, he's doing this whole thing exposing the left, and, and all of a sudden he'll just throw in the gratuitous the right just to keep his bona fides, I guess. But I it's not—it's not just Mar. I mean, Matt Taibbi, who was, you know, as as liberal left as you could be, as 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 in some ways the voice of Rolling Stone magazine, Glenn Greenwald. Uh, you know, you Michael see Michael Schellenberger. Michael Schellenberger. Right. So so you do see people coming to their senses. I just hope it's not it's not too little too late. Um yesterday's elections were not were not pretty. You know, I don't know how we don't win in landslides because truly we are up against pure evil. So uh, Evan, let's let's talk uh let's talk a little bit about the border, okay? Um I believe firmly that, uh, and I don't think this is a stretch, opening the border to millions more illegals is purely intentional. And uh, I'm stunned that everybody in New York is so shocked. We've got millions in Southern California and in these border states. No one has ever cared. But as soon as they send 50 to Martha's Vineyard, everybody's panties are in a bunch. <laughs> but, but I want to say this. I believe, and this is not conspiratorial, I think this is really true. When you come up with this bullshit about how asking for ID to vote is somehow racist, and then you have millions of people walk across an open border, your goal, and I'm talking about Biden here, because Trump tried to get a handle on this, your goal is to distribute these people preferably into some so-called red states, turn them purple, turn them blue, get the illegals voting as soon as possible, and turn these states, and that's how you're going to keep power. Okay, Those I, are I, my I, thoughts on the board. I, I don't disagree in the slightest, but I don't think that's the entirety of it. I think even if they don't vote, allowing criminals and drug runners and child traffickers along with those who might truly well, they don't differentiate. They offer sanctuary to the rapist and his victims. And the terrorists. And the terrorists. So I, I believe they are setting us up for total destruction. You know, you felt the need, and I get this, to apologize that you're not a conspiracy theorist. The second most brilliant thing the conspirators ever did was convince their victims that if somebody points out their conspiracies, they must be dismissed because that's a conspiracy theory. Well, 
I'm let saying me, I'm not a conspiracy. No, no, let me say something. The reason I'm saying this is not a conspiracy is because this is right in my face. It's 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 right in front of you. It is a There's conspiracy. Nothing, it, it's, it is it's a right in front of you. You know, you and I right now are conspiring to put on a good right. radio show. All right? I mean, you know, the idea that conspiracies don't exist, and if somebody points out, I, I, I said that's the second most brilliant thing they ever did. The most brilliant thing they ever did was to convince their victims that the reason these conspiracy theorists are pointing out their conspiracies is because they're part of a giant conspiracy. The conspiracy of the patriarchy. That's why they're pointing out our conspiracy. And so they convince them that there are these giant conspiracies. Uh, I never got invited to a meeting of, of the patriarchy. On the other hand, every year, those people go to Davos. Yeah. yeah. Well, what was the line in The Exorcist? Uh, the greatest uh, the greatest trick the devil ever played was convincing us that he didn't exist. Yep. Yeah. Really. Johnny, Nani Darwish wrote that book. Uh, you know, her father was a terrorist for Nasser in the 50s. And uh, she wrote that book, The Devil We Don't Know. Right. You know, and so, so you know, here we are. And, and uh, you know, Evan, I'll tell you, man, I uh, look, I'll tell you what, Evan, we're going to have to do this again and again, because there's a lot to dissect uh, in this world. And, and uh, I, I cannot thank you enough for uh, joining me today. Uh, I hadn't seen you in a while, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you on The Crusher today. Well, it's a pleasure to see you again. And yes, let's do it again soon. Absolutely. Okay, everybody, uh, if you're on YouTube, hit the subscribe thing. And if you're listening on one of the other podcast outlets, do me a favor. Share, 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 and uh, listen to it over and over and over. And just keep listening to it and keep sharing it. And uh, I hope you enjoyed another great episode of The Crusher. I couldn't have asked for a better guess than Evan Sayat. Thank you, Evan.